This podcast is sponsored by NHS Lancashire and South Cumbria Integrated Care Board and Beacon Counselling Trust, promoting an open discussion about gambling-related harm and the destruction it can cause. If you're affected by anything you hear and would like to reach out, visit beaconcounsellingtrust.co.uk. Let's keep talking. Welcome back to Football Untold, the podcast that explores the dark side of the beautiful game. Thanks for checking us out once again for your shares, your streams and your downloads. In each episode of this podcast, we're hearing from professional uh, football players, past and present. And we're talking about uh, their stories of problem gambling. We're doing it and they're doing it to shine a light on the issue and to encourage people who are struggling with their own problems to come forward and get support. My name is Mick Coyle. Uh, we've got Clark Carlisle and Simon Howarth still with us in the studio. Gents, how are we? Really Matt, good, thanks, mate. Go on, yeah. stay. You, it's, it's, it's desperate to tell us about his injury. <laughs> Do we have to? You, know, you, I, you mentioned it to everybody else in the building so far today. Stephen doesn't want to hear that at all. I got roped into playing five-a-side yesterday, first time in years and years, and my knees have blown up, and I feel like... Ty, you just got to let it go, mate. I know, just let it go. I know, I know. Man's getting old. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, guest this week, uh, who's uh, actually making his debut on, on Football Untold, uh, we have a Sierra Leone international, uh, a captain, in fact, though incredibly, he's also played for Great Britain and England, scored on his debut, and he also qualifies, I think, for Scotland. Uh, he started at Spurs before spells at Cardiff and QPR, Allianz Sport and Fenerbahce. He's also had loans at Yeovil, Bristol City, Swansea, Southampton, Liverpool and Gaziantep. He now plays his trade with Wigan Athletic. Stephen Colker. Stephen, thank you for your time. Really great to see you. Yeah, thanks. I'm just literally laughing at the, the long, long list of clubs you just <laughs> mentioned there. That's uh, it's a long list. And you've missed one out as well. So I have, yeah. I, I, Can you I, pronounce that? Yeah. You know what? Give it a go. Fat, it was Fatia. Fati Garagumrik. That's it. What, con- what country were they playing in? Turkey. Right. So, you know, their manager is Andrea Perlo. So that, uh-huh. yeah, that's that's what puts them on the map. They have a big, big manager there right now. I'm not sure what he's doing there, but he's, <laughs> he's there. Wow. Um, yeah. And he's, he's actually, he's been quite, um, since the, the turn of the year, he's been a big success. Oh, good stuff. Well, it's, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming in. This is like a hint of what you've got to come in the future, yeah, with like, Clark had his ankle flare up last week. Size, size, run four steps. So his his knees gone as well. <laughs> Physically, you you good at the moment? Physically good, yeah. Feeling good. Um, yeah, was part of the squad last night for the game against Stoke, and yeah, feeling good. Well, it's great to see you. Thanks for thanks for coming on, but thanks for getting involved in this project as well. Uh, and I've I've noticed sort of uh, as you be, I don't want to say you're a veteran now, but as you've got uh, a little bit older, you've had so many different experiences, and you've actually found a bit of strength within yourself to say, you know, what, I can talk about these experiences. So it's great that you're here today. There's so much to talk about uh, within your story. We're talking about problem gambling. And I've asked each of the lads about when they first started to know that there's sort of a problem gambling issue. And I thought it was so interesting to hear your story about, and we joke about almost the number of clubs that you've had there, but actually that thing of being loaned out to a club or being given accommodation in a city centre, you know, above a casino with a nightclub across the road, actually that fed into maybe some of the issues you had, is that fair to say, when you, when you started out? Yeah, I mean, look, I always say that whether I was a footballer or not, I believe I would have been an addict. Um I, I just believe that it was in me. Um, but I do believe the environment that I've been in for, for many, many years now has definitely played a part in... Uh, it's definitely impacted my life and definitely impacted it probably for the worst. Um, I've been in a lot of change rooms where gambling is, is, is seen as normal. Um, great for those who can. You know, the boys who can, why not? Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of fun. Same like with a drink. If those who can drink and, and have fun with it, great. But... Um, 
as the the famous slogan goes, like "Stop when the fun stops." Like I, I, I don't know if any of us in this room could. But I, uh, no. I, I certainly wasn't able to to stop when the fun stopped, and uh, continued for for many many years. Um, I think people will remember you as a as a as a Spurs player. Uh, you were that, you were within the club for for a good amount of time. Uh, you had a couple of loan spells around that time. Was was that around the point where you started noticing that you were veering off the rails a little bit? It was. I mean, I entered rehab at 19, so it didn't take long before I was fully aware of my issues. Um, I started at started probably 11 or 12, and then I first went into the bookmakers at 15, snuck in, sort of zipped my jacket up in my school uniform, went in there and, and, and started on the roulette machines. And um, unlike most gamblers, I, lo- I lost my first pound. Um, my, my first pound was gone, and I just wanted it back. And it's almost... That's almost the story of my gambling you know it's like I was just constantly chasing that one pound that then became two and become 10 and 20 and, and so on and it's like I've always been behind and always wanted it back um, and was never able to to get that um, you know going on loan at 17 to Yeovil living there alone uh, definitely didn't help my gambling let's say um, it wasn't it wasn't a, a major issue right then but definitely the following year when I was able to go to casinos at 18 I was living in Bristol City living, um, I think it was by the harbour there, they've got two casinos on my doorstep. I was in there five, six, probably seven days a week, if I'm being honest. And uh, that's when I thought, well, I've, I've got an issue here. Um, but I didn't want to do anything about it. I just wanted to learn, I guess, how to how to do it and stop, you know, um, when I'm up. That's what I wanted someone to teach me. I didn't realise that actually someone needs to uh, tell me that I can't do it full stop. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was naive at that age. You mentioned being 12 or 13. What, what was it? Was there a, a cultural thing? I know, Sai, you talked about, didn't you? You know, you had a, like a, a family thing of like family members, granddad with the with a racing post under his arm and that. Was there something like culturally family, like a, or was it a friend's thing that, that meant that you were aware of how to gamble or what gambling was at that young age? Have any of you guys played Penny Up the Wall? Yeah, we played it. Yeah, so Penny Up the Wall was was the one for we used to do it with pounds, but that was that was the first game we played. So throw the pound for closest to the wall um, wins essentially, but then you have to throw it up, call heads or tails, and whichever one you get, you you'll collect that amount. So that was my first taste of it. And that would have been I said year seven. As soon as I went to secondary school, I was introduced to that game, loved it, um, and that's where it, yeah, that's that's really where it kicked off. I was I was constantly wanting to gamble and then try to win a few more pounds and go and buy more chocolate and, and all the rest of it. That's that was that was the first sort of grips of it. Do people say to you um I don't know, have you got like the bags under the eyes because you've been up at till three AM or have you been in the casino? was anyone around club saying to you, you know, Steve, what's what's going on here or is there is there an issue that we need to be aware of? Was was there anyone in in authority or seniority coming forward and, and noticing that maybe there was something going on? Um Keith Millen at Bristol City pulled me in his office. He he was aware that um, I was gambling just because someone had told him that they'd seen me in the casino the night before a game. Um, and he said, look, obviously things are, you know, at the time were going really, really well for me on the pitch. And um, just sort of said, look, like, you know, don't let this become an issue. Don't let this, you know, basically go the wrong way. You know, you've got a big career ahead of you and, and just make sure you, you know, you control it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Now, it's easy to go, oh my God, why didn't Keith Millen do more? But... I wasn't giving him any more than that. I wasn't sat there going, oh, I've got a big problem with this and yeah, can you help me? Um, if, you, if you're not a gambler, would you, you know, I mean, a lot of boys gamble and drink. So for him, it's probably just a lack of professionalism, you know, uh, a young boy wanting to have a bit of fun really and he's just thought, you know, rain it in course. You know what I mean? Don't, 
you know, don't do that, basically. So um, it's, it's certainly not a case of, oh my God, why did you do that? Why didn't you do that? I think it's just, um, I think today there's a lot more understanding of it and maybe there'll be a few more alarm bells around it. But at that age, um, I mean, I've just, just come from a conversation there where, you know, people at, um, at Liverpool were saying, you know, they, they, they were in a sort of brought up in an era where the best players were your gamblers, shaggers and drinkers. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And that was kind of, that was still the I mean you're going back what 13, 13 years so it's still kind of the, the sort of uh, culture back then it's interesting because you left Spurs I think I don't know if you left under a cloud or like decisions were made where you thought maybe maybe I could stay or maybe I can go and show them somewhere else and I wonder whether or not that was at the point where Spurs were sort of stepping up to the next level and starting to get into sort of Champions Leagues and all, all that kind of stuff these are reasons that maybe if you'd have, maybe if, you, uh, if you'd have stayed around there that some of that stuff would have come around you a little bit more potentially. Well, it's an interesting point. Um, I I definitely think that as a gambler, right, my head was all over the place, and and I was so impulsive in in everything that I'd done. And the, during that time at Tottenham, I was actually offered a new deal, so I was offered um, another year deal. I played twenty eight games that year as a as a twenty year old. Uh, played for England. Had all basically everything, right? felt like I had nothing. I felt like I had absolutely nothing. I wanted to play 48 games, not 28 games. I wanted to play all the Europa League games. I wanted to play every single league game. And I couldn't understand why the manager was being so unfair to me, why why he didn't respect me. Uh, he did respect me. He was giving me a fair chance. I just couldn't see it. And um, because of how impulsive I am, I didn't want to sit there and wait. So I turned down that deal and opted to push for a move to, to, go, to, to go to Cardiff, um, thinking... Oh, when I go there, everything will be great. I'll earn more money. You know, that will that will help me cover the, the obviously the money that I've lost and uh, life will just be different. Um, I've, I later learned in life that as an addict, well, certainly in my experience, I, I kind of believe that life would be better over there. I never really believe where I am is where it's meant to be. I'm always, oh, over there would be great. If I go to that country or that club, then things would be different. Um, it wasn't until I got to that country and that club, I realised, I've got to take me with me. And wherever I go... Uh, this head comes with me and the problems came with me. So that's so interesting that, that actually that's already come up in, in Steve's story, Clark, that it's not just about the gambling and the, the act of going into a casino or opening your phone. It's actually something about yourself or a behaviour. And Sai, you touched on this in your stories, but things that you recognise of yourself. And actually the gambling is a symptom of that as opposed to it just being the number one issue. Definitely, you know, people often demonise gambling in of the act, and we were talking about this earlier, in how that compounds anybody addressing their gambling behaviour, because it's seen as bad, so you think if you engage in it, oh, I'm being bad because of the gambling, and we don't pay enough attention to why is it that I'm engaging with gambling? What is my motivation to go in there? And it's very different from individual to individual, but it's in understanding that motivation to engage with the action, that's where we can start to make any progress and on working towards a solution. Of course, it's awesome to hear you talk about your experiences, fellas. So much resonates with me, especially that <clears throat> over there is better. The, the grass is greener. And it took a long time for me to understand that I'm the one who's bringing the problem behaviour and actions where wherever I'm going. But what I'm really interested in is, like you said, you're so impulsive, your head was all over the place. How did that manifest itself on a daily basis? You know, what, what was the impact on your life other than making the club-to-club -club 
moves that you made? You know, how were your personal relationships and um, and how much of those interactions do you, do you attribute to having to, I don't know, maybe hide your gambling behaviour? Yeah, so, I mean, look, I, I firstly, I mean, it's just come back to me now. So I'm thinking about when I was at Cardiff, right? So I made that move from Tottenham to Cardiff, went there, right, fresh start. I'm earning really good money now. I had a good deal. Uh, I think after a few games, Malky McCarthy made me captain. Loved it there. Just really felt home. Loved the club, loved the city, loved the fans, loved everything. So I thought, okay, this is this is great. Stop the gambling. But then, this is, this is I said after many years of reflection, didn't realise, well, I stopped the gambling, but I drank every weekend and probably two or three days in between in the week as well. Uh, I overate like crazy. I was obsessed with women, constantly wanting different women around me. Like, I, I look back now and I think to myself, like, I stopped the gambling because I filled that void with absolutely everything else possible. Yeah. Absolutely <clears throat> everything else possible. So um, my relationships were, were heavily affected day to day. Um, people... Um, around me were, were hurt you know I've had to make a, a series of amends to people because um, and, and some of those were not necessarily someone because obviously I, the first bit I go to is all oh, the people I've lied to or the people I've taken money to that's what my first thought but actually it's not just them it's, it's, it's to my parents right it's to people who loved me and care about me who had to sit there and watch me self-sabotage destroy my whole life in front of their eyes and they could do nothing but plead with me and call me and beg me and write me long messages and turn up at my house and they couldn't stop me and uh, they could never understand because we could be having a conversation like you and I right now everything would be great and then at 10pm I put the phone down everything I've gone to bed and it's like bang that's it something something switched in my head and I'm going to go and do what I want to do and uh, and they'd be left often uh, not to pick up the pieces because I, I kind of isolate but they were left with a, with a huge void as well they were left with a lot of emotional pain a lot of people had been hurt you know as a result of it so um, day to day to answer your question my relationships were were definitely hurt um, and um, they were obviously heavily affected more so for them than me because I was selfish you know in addiction I was really selfish I, I mean at that same time I was building a school in Sierra Leone for, for 400 children so on the surface I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm completely selfless you know what mm -hmm. do you mean I don't have a watch I don't have any of those things but it's only when I sort of like dived a lot deeper into my habits and I'd go how selfish how selfish to go and just turn your phone off for a day and go and gamble all day you know um, but as I said those are things that I learned later in life mm. um, not at the time I think it's dead interesting. From the outside, you were sort of this, I'm not going to say you burst onto the scene. I think that's a phrase used with a, a, another defender who's, uh, who's, who's widely sort of known in, in the media. You were played for Great Britain. You played for England. I think you played in the Zlatan game, didn't you? The yeah. over, I think England were winning when you got taken off. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> before, you did, before you did the overhead kick. Well, most people don't remember that. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then and then you, you had this low move to lend Liverpool. Yeah. I wanted to know how that sort of fit in because if, if things are going wrong off the field or you feel like, you know, maybe you're losing a little bit of control, but then something like the Liverpool offer comes in, does that sort of go, hang on a minute, here's another chance? Or yeah. things are still looking up? What, what was the mindset around that time? Well, I was drunk in Dublin uh, when the phone call came in from my agent. Um, I'd been at Southampton, hadn't been playing. I think one of the only games I did play was a 6-1 defeat to Liverpool where I had an absolute beast. So I was <laughs> like, um, the last team in the world I could have imagined calling me would have been Liverpool um, so I was just a, uh, waking up off the back of a uh, heavy night out in, in Dublin um, agent had called me and said listen 
he's sitting down. There's a there's a, there's an offer on the table from who? Liverpool. I said, yeah, good one. I must still be drunk. He's like, literally from Liverpool. There's an offer. Like, get yourself home, clean yourself up. We need to, we need to go and take this. You know, uh, call you back an hour to confirm it all. So. It literally happened that quick. Like I'm there. I was with my friend who was a scouser, just to make things even more random. Uh, two days later, I was then making my debut up front against Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> like we were three-two down. We came back, drew three-three. You know, Klopp's telling me after the game, like amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Like they all think we're crazy until it until it pays off because he obviously put me as a striker and uh, and just yeah. So I went home and I just I remember writing uh, uh, a post on Instagram. I was on Instagram at the time and I posted like. Um, if you told me on Saturday that uh, I was going to make my debut for Liverpool up front against Arsenal, I'd have said there's more chance I'll win the lottery. And, and it literally would have been, you know, the odds would have been that great. So that was a really sort of crazy time. But to put it into context, um, I was living a mad uh, a mad lifestyle at a time. I was, my addiction had full, full of grip on me. You know, I, I mentioned, obviously, we're here to talk about the gambling, but the alcohol plays a huge part of my story. So it's, it's relevant. Um, and I'll touch on why it's relevant. It's relevant because a lot of the times I would stop gambling, right? And I'd pick up the drink. And then and then the drink would... Some, I mean, I black out when I drink. So I could actually, the next day, wake up and go, I've done X amount in. I don't even remember being there. How have I done that? How on earth have I done I don't even remember being in the casino. Do you know what I mean? All I've got is receipts in my, in my pocket, you know? Um, and I'd go to the casino and beg with them and please with them. Like, how did you let me do it? Why did you... I mean... It's, it's literally the devil's playground. They're serving you alcohol. You know, if, I, if I'm in a bar, I'd get kicked out. And believe me, I've been kicked out enough of them to know. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how it goes, you know. But in there, the more drunk you are, the more drink they give you. You know what I mean? It's literally the devil's playground. So um, that, was, that's, that was why I mentioned the drink. Um, but yeah, I was in a crazy part. I was in a crazy period of my life. Got the move to Liverpool. Um, didn't feel like I ever really deserved it, but did sort myself out naturally. You know, of a big shock like that, did for a few months was 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 absolutely one hundred percent professional. Um, I mean, the women had gone, the alcohol had gone, the gambling had gone, everything was 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 right. Um, but it just I wasn't clearly wasn't the manager signing, and after a couple of months of doing that, I again felt rejected, felt low, and uh, I go back to my vices, and um, I actually left Liverpool early to go to rehab. So it's actually for me, it's kind of a bit of a uh, a bit of a sad point of my of my career actually this podcast is sponsored by nhs lancashire and south cumbria integrated care board and beacon counseling trust promoting an open discussion about gambling related harm and the destruction it can cause if you've been affected by anything you've heard and would like to reach out visit beaconcounselingtrust.co.uk Let's keep talking. Is there a dividing line, or do you see a dividing line in your career when you go abroad? Because actually, you, you go abroad for a period of time and play for a good number of, of clubs. I just wondered how that dividing line fits with the gambling. Did, they, did, did, did those problems jump on the plane with you, or was that a break that you were able to make? No, so I'd actually stopped before I went abroad, so I got myself clean. So I was out of football for the uh, best part of a year. Um, I had a little stint at Dundee in between that, but... Um, I spent a solid six month block uh, training on my own. Um, I'd been rejected by 70 odd different teams. Um, I was still drinking, everything. It was just, I was still gambling. You know what I mean? I was, so at that point, um, I, was, uh, I was gambling abroad, right? So I wasn't able to gamble in the UK because I'd barred myself from every bookmaker, every casino, every online app possible I'd barred myself from. So what then happened to me was I was approached by people who went, do you, do you fancy going to the casino? Like, we can, we can facilitate that for you in, in Cyprus. 
um, Cyprus being one of many destinations, it's almost like a, a mini Vegas, the, 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 the Turkish side, not the, not the Greek side. And um, yeah, it's, it was a case of, look, you know, I was deposit 25 grand and you could take four of your, you and four of your mates um, uh, business class over to Cyprus and uh, th it's all yours, you know, everything's included, all the drinks, this, that and the other. So it seemed at the time, this is amazing. This is like, it's all about the escape. Like mm -hmm. this was the ultimate, ultimate escape. What a bubble. I mean, they, whoever had created it was clearly a gamble. They knew what they were creating, you know, they've got cigars on tap, it's all, everything, everything there just filled into one place that bubble when that bubble pops and your money's gone pff, the, the worst place i can ever imagine to be there oh my god I, I i was i was suicidal on more than one occasion there that that place is frightening because you're trapped you're trapped you've lost all your money and you're stuck i wanted to ask you about that because of course people i think if you're in the uk you might have heard and obviously you've been in rehab so you knew organizations people hear about organizations like sporting chance or, or, or whatever it might be but it's interesting that there was that bubble created for you in Turkey, but then the bubble bursts, and then you, you're still a professional living overseas, and presumably then don't know straight away what are those organisations that I could that you can go to. Uh, you mentioned suicidal mm -hmm. thoughts, so it 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 was it was bad, and it was it, was, it was really bad. Yeah, it was really bad. Definitely during that period, um, things had got really really bleak. Um, I couldn't see a way out. I mean, I, there, there wasn't really a way out. I said everything was 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 in free for all. Um, and and I, I felt like I'd already hit rock bottom ten times before. So, what's the next step? I mean, there is no next step. Um, and then something in there just felt that I guess in that period of time I felt that actually my story isn't over. I don't want to be another statistic. I just felt that I really felt that I didn't want to be another statistic. I didn't want to start speaking from a position of 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 uh, what felt like weakness at the time. You know, that's what it felt like. Although I don't see it as that today, it's what it felt like. So, uh, got myself clean, got myself sorted out, and got the move to, to Turkey. So it actually came a month after being clean um, and after 70 odd teams saying no. So it did feel like a lifeline. I was there going there as a new man and I was I was cool. I, for, for three years, I was sober. I was sober. I was clean from the gambling. Everything could, uh, was new, was fresh. It was exciting. Everything was great. Um, but then eventually what I find in, in my life is, is uh, that uh, this is a lifelong thing. Uh, at the time I thought, once you're out, you're out. But, but I certainly wasn't. And when you... I mean, I'd offers before to go to Russia and stuff like that. And I think if if you are not in the right mindset, I would never take that step. You know, I was at the time. Thankfully, I said I was a little bit, little bit of clean time behind me, and I, and I was. But uh, uh, you know, you asked there about Turkey and the setup there and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no gambling inside Turkey, but you've got the Turkish side of Cyprus, which is 45 minute flight away, and um, you know, there everything takes place, and uh, it, it's difficult as a gambler even to have that temptation. I mean, don't get me wrong, as I've just mentioned, if you take away my temptation in the UK, I'll travel, you know, I've traveled mm -hmm. to Monaco, I've traveled, I went to Singapore, you know, at one point to gamble. So uh, I've been around the world, I've experienced it, um, experienced the highs of it, um, but you know, it ends with me, you know, putting a pound, it ends the same way it started, me putting a pound in a roulette machine in, in my local bookmakers, you know, that's where, with my hood up, so they can't, you know, that's, that's where it ended. So all the highs in between it, ultimately ended the same way with me, a broken little little boy at the time. One of the things we're sort of keen to to do as part of this series is 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 take away a little bit from that, and then there was redemption. This sort of moment, and Clark, you touched on this brilliantly, brilliantly in terms of like when you stop gambling, there's not an instant thing that says you are a great guy again, and and that all your problems are still there. You know that the debts might still be there, and and, and the desires. 
are still there. And actually, what's what's your story, Cox, from that point of view of the positive and actually thinking I can talk about this or I can take steps forward? I know you're really passionate about the stuff you're doing in, in Sierra Leone, the charity work, and I know you found sort of really positive things to take from that and I think they, they obviously show you in a very, very positive light as well. And I know you want to sort of use that. And you've also spoken very publicly recently about supporting other people and, and, and getting the right message out. Is that for you where, where this sits now, you know, in terms of being clean and being able to spread this message and, and share your story? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just touching on the first bit of that question, for me, we're gambling the consequences are, are lifelong. Um, I, I mean that because, I mean, the impact that the the money I've I've lost it doesn't it doesn't just go away. I don't get one week, one month clean and go whoop. Well, that was great. Now I'm a, as 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 Clark said, life's fantastic. No, like uh, the damage is is all around me. Um, it's there for me to see. It's there for me to see if I look at my bank accounts. It's there for me to see if I look in my mum's eyes and and um, you know my son and all that kind of stuff. You know, so um, I've spent many years away working away from home and 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 for what? You know, that that could have been time spent with my with my son and my family. So. Um, the consequences are there, they're always there, but I try, uh, and I say try because some do good days, some bad days, I try to to take a positive from that and go, look, let's let's help other people. I take great pleasure in helping other people, I really do. I feel good about myself, actually. Um, and when I see those people blossom step by step, I really enjoy that, you know? Um, and, and the biggest sort of uh, suggestions I give to people is because, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with Gamblers Anonymous and various different therapy and stuff like that, but... Uh, biggest thing is I think finding a purpose so I sort of give that message to them the same way I give it to myself so people can be clean for a while but they're not really moving forward anywhere whereas when you have a purpose like what is it you really want to do in life like go and chase that go and go and go and work towards that Um, and that for me uh, has then seen so much progress in so many people once they get that and, and it works for me that's genuinely what gets me out of bed is what keeps me fighting back against depression fighting against the demons because any given moment, I could get a parking ticket outside here and think I need that 30 quid back it's another 30 quid I need that money back you know what I mean and that can literally be the trigger to go and gamble not today uh, thankfully but you know that can be the build up of, of, of what can come at a later stage so I have to manage it like I have to literally manage the you know, I'll call it the beast or demon in, in, inside me I think it's um, the fact you're back in dressing rooms now uh, you mentioned Wigan Athletic uh, before obviously doing the international thing as well are you a different character within the dressing rooms presumably when you start out you were a bit of a jack the lad if it was the girls and the drink in the casinos presumably you were like oh here he comes I imagine it came with some decent clobber as well like, <laughs> some no you, uh, you've both seen them <laughs> <laughs> what what role what role do you have now within yeah. within a dressing room um, a different role very different role I feel like um yeah, I love to still love to have a banner. I love it, especially being in a, in a British change room. Do you know what I mean, for me, there's, there's there's no better place to be in terms of the banner. But um, yeah, I, offer, I definitely offer a different perspective. So I was actually laughing the other day. The boys were calling me um, an agony aunt. You know, because, like, uh, <laughs> they can sort of come to me and, and talk about or moan about whatever they got going on. Do you know what I mean? And know that I'm not going to judge them. Um, I'm not in a position to judge them for one, and uh, I just wouldn't because I know. Um, the stresses and, and all that stuff that comes with being a footballer, you know, there's a, there's a lot of rewards, but it's not all glam, you know. There's there's a lot of stresses and pressures involved with that. So, so that's kind of my role. I kind of I don't know, is it like a big brother almost um, in that sense. And um, you know, I value the fact that I'm reliable today. 
so you know people can trust in me if I say I'm going to be someone I'm going to be there um, if I'm going to do something I'm going to do it and I'm always going to be honest in what I do it's part of my program you know I can't I just can't lie if I, if I lie that's it, that that lies and deceit brings me back to my old habits and my old lifestyle and uh, very quickly I can I can get caught up in it so um, I, I've, I pride myself on that today and uh, I would like to think although there'd be a bit of banter for the boys listening but I like to think that um <laughs> That they know that about me, you know, and they can they can trust in me, and, and uh, yeah, and, and I'm I'm sure I, I like to think they they value that. Do you feel? Do you find that there's for you still goals within football? You've you've had a really varied sort of career, so you've you'll have done loads of things that loads of lads in that dressing room would would never even you know dream of. You know, you played for 15 different international teams for, 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 for starters. <laughs> do you do you have like unfinished business within the, within the game, if you like? Do, do you ever feel like, because there was all this other stuff going on in the background, that maybe sometimes there were things within, within the game that you didn't get, a certain aspect of the game you didn't get? Or is it something you're going to be able to walk away from and actually go, okay, I did okay and that, that was a good career up to that point. Now it's time to, to focus on something different. It's a good question. Uh, I'm definitely thinking about this a lot at the moment in time. You know, my contract's up in the summer. Um, my next moves, I think, is going to be an important one uh, financially because of the, the gambling. I don't feel like I'm in a position to to retire right now, um, but I want to go and play somewhere I'm happy because I've I've been through the cycle. I've been through the chasing the money and away from home and ended up with nothing. You know, so my next move has to be has to be the right one. Uh, I want to win a trophy. I really want to win a trophy. Whether that's as a coach or as a manager, sorry, as a player or as a manager, um, I don't know. But I, I, I know I want to win a trophy. I, I, I want that. I want that. You know, to look at and go. You know what? Alongside the other stuff, the schools and and the experiences, I also want a nice shiny gold trophy to go alongside it. So or gold medal to to go alongside it. So that's that's uh, that's my aim. That's my desire. Um, I still feel like I have plenty left in the legs. Um, so. We'll see what the summer brings. I couldn't. I just literally couldn't give you the answer in the sense that it, it's something I'm thinking about and um, and considering both sides. It's interesting that side. You, you talked about you know a sense of purpose. The reason we're doing this podcast and the reason you wanted to speak out. You had a guy who building schools in Sierra Leone, but still he wants to have the win a football trophy. And actually, that sense of and that that sense of purpose as well is a big part of why why you're so keen to to talk about this. Yeah, I'm glad Cork's mentioned that. A fascinating story. Really appreciate you coming on. But the purpose thing's everything for me and my recovery. Hence doing this and my GA and getting involved with the lived experience talks. If, if I've not got purpose, I can go down the same road. And it's massive for me to wake up every day and have, have a purpose. Um, and it, it's huge in my recovery. And anyone I speak to, I try and say, put some purpose in place. Um, it's a good practice for me. And I'm glad Cork's mentioned that. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's for a lot of people, when they're struggling with their mental health, they feel like there's the thing that they're dealing with and them and how they feel part of it. But actually what you've described there with purpose, and I think the difference that purpose makes, Clark, is that it gives you a sense that you're part of something much bigger. Mm-hmm. That actually, you know, if it's building schools in Sierra Leone or it's um, supporting other people or it's being the agony aunt or agony uncle or the big brother figure you are then playing a role which when you interact with someone, they interact with you and they see that value in you. And you've also got, let's call it a legacy, if you like, either physically if you're building a school, but also that emotional legacy that you lead. Of people, oh, he was, Clark Carlisle would always give me great advice. He was always great value for me. Definitely, you know, um, understanding your position in a wider world is one of the first steps to understanding your value greater than your job. 
you know, football is so all-consuming that you can go through the first 10 or 15 years of your, of your life and career thinking that that is the only thing that matters. So when you experience a high and a low in football, it, it, it actually reflects your own personal worth because you're solely invested in what this game's doing to you. And if football is defining your personal worth, then you're going to be going on an emotional roller coaster, not just Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, but with everything that's happening in training on a daily basis and all those interactions. So what really intrigues me about your, what, what you share, Corks, is that you, you talk about your journey into, um, or your descent, let's say, you know, into, into engaging with the beast and, and all those behaviours. And the way you talk about it, it seems like there's a switch and it's your internal dialogue that takes you straight there. Yeah. You know, so if there's an external circumstance, your switch goes, why, what the reason, what to do about it, and it's straight down that line. Now, our experience is that we we come through, through that journey and, and we go on a, a journey to wellness by sharing and being open. When was the first time, or, or what, what does your personal intervention look like now when you experience any kind of moment of crisis? And just case in point, let's say you're, you've talked about football, you want to do things in football and you feel like you're, you're, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're being good, you're doing good things, but the rewards aren't transforming your, your actual practical life you're still living a life of consequence. Yeah. So there are smaller things that can really impact what's going on in your head. What's your journey of intervention when that happens now? Yeah, really good question. Um, for me, the big, the biggest one right now is, is ODAT, one day at a time, right? So that's my, my biggest thing that I need to give myself is time because I'm so impulsive and I, something, like you said, externally happens and I might all to, like straight away, I'm all, I want to self-sabotage. That's just my go-to. That's what I've done for years. That's, it's almost my comfort. I'll self-sabotage. I'll destroy it all. They're not going to destroy it. I will destroy it all. The biggest thing I can give myself is time just to breathe, get through this moment. Sometimes, I mean, one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time, sometimes one minute at a time, like literally just that breakup. And then minute, hour, two hours, three hours, etc. later, I feel, okay, you know what? Maybe I can speak to someone at this moment and then I can speak to someone, maybe you, maybe someone else who's in, in recovery, like-minded people because I, you know, there's a lot of campaigns around just talk, just talk. I, I don't I don't buy into that personally. You know I mean, you can end up talking to the wrong person and it go, go even more backwards. You know what I mean? I mean, if I pick up the phone and say to my girlfriend, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking to, to gamble our house again, you know? So I feel like right now, I feel like I feel like burning our house to the ground and destroying everything. That will cause her all kinds of upsets mm -hmm. and stresses and pain. So it's calling someone who understands it, who can process it and, uh, and can hear me and, and, and just sort of have to be a, a bounce board. So when I do that, um, I, 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 I calm down naturally. I calm down. But normally I used to calm down after the event because I was so quick at doing it, you know, whereas yeah. now I just, I hold it, hold that thought for a bit. Um, and then I'm able to, to process it and go, actually, you know what? If I'm not picked on a Saturday, it's okay. If I'm not, like, if I've got a parking ticket downstairs, I better not. But if I do... <laughs> <laughs> Keep mentioning that. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's the sign we've got to wrap yeah. up. Right now, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Can I just I mention do, one thing, fine. sorry, mate? It, it's, I love you, you said there, you know, feeling comfortable mm -hmm. in that, that period of self-sabotage. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how autopilot that response comes? Yeah. Even though you are self-destructing, 
when you've been through that cycle of self-destruct and redemption, mm -hmm. you know that so familiarly. Yeah. You know, so the redemption aspect can actually look like something that you want to strive for. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, uh, this has happened. You know what? I'm going to get battered. I'm going to go to the casino. That's terrible. But then I can make up for it on the other side and get all those good feelings, all those good responses. And it's it's such a vicious cycle, isn't it? That's literally the, uh, literally the two words I was going to use, vicious cycle. That's mm. That's been a story of my life. And like I said, it's gambling plays a huge part in it. Um, but it's not just, uh, you know, for me, it's not just because, oh, I stopped gambling, everything is great. Because as I said, the consequences of that last bet or that last relapse it continuously goes round and round and round and uh, uh, if I allow it it, it will suffocate me mm. like, and I don't say that lightly if I if I allow it I can I can really get into my own thoughts and go 14 years as a professional for what for what for nothing you know what I mean 14 years of running doing this living away from home doing all you know all the sacrifice you have to make to be a footballer for what and then I'm in trouble if I go down mm. that path and stay that path for long enough I'm in trouble uh, thank you so much um for being so honest on you, I'm starting to wonder now what, what time I've got on my parking ticket now. <laughs> you know, it's that something starts playing in the back of your mind. No, honestly, Steve, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. And I think people will take so much from hearing it. I think this is one of those things where if people hear these stories and just recognise an element of, and it might not be the physical act of, you know, going in the casino. It's those behaviours, those impulses mm. and those things. They're the things that I think are really going to start connecting with people. Um, thanks to all our contributors to uh, Football Untold. Don't forget, you can hit subscribe on the podcast now and you can drop your social media messages using the hashtag Football Untold. There's the website as well, footballuntold.co.uk. This podcast is sponsored by NHS Lancashire and South Cumbria Integrated Care Board and Beacon Counselling Trust, promoting an open discussion about gambling-related harm and the destruction it can cause. If you've been affected by anything you've heard and would like to reach out, visit beaconcounselingtrust.co.uk. Let's keep talking.